Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. So you got a new job and you're starting in a couple of days. You're probably both excited and a little bit anxious. What will the first day be like? If you're like a lot of people, your first day at a new job will be something that happens to you rather than something you control, which is not the ideal. In this episode, we're going to talk about some things you need to do and not do when you start a new job. Rather than passively letting the day go by, we recommend actively making sure that the day sets you up for success. But before we get started, Will, what's your day been like? Uh fairly uneventful. I'm still waiting for some things to get together as far as the new job. So I went and I did the drug test yesterday and I've got to go through, you know, the background check and all that's all stuff is underway and I'm just kind of sitting here at this point. So hopefully that will start soon and I get to actually use the advice from this episode. Companies still drug test people? Oh yeah. I'm messing with you. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when they when they ask you to fill the cup, the correct answer is not from here. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, <laughs> I didn't actually yeah. do that this time. I would say you would though. I, 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 no. I, I, I would totally say that if I knew the doctor will. Yeah, but, yeah, that's true. That's true. I can, I can see that. So how about you? Well, uh, it's time to annoy you with my uh, my fandom that you do not share. Very excited about uh, the Doctor Who episode that came out um, Sunday. Actually, I didn't get to watch it till last night, but uh, it came out Sunday. The last episode of the Chibnall Error. I am so glad. If you noticed, I called it Error and not Era for a reason. Yeah, um, terrible, terrible writer. And I will fight anyone who who disagrees with me. I mean, legitimately. Even like even when I agreed with him on stuff, his writing was still bad. Like the guy yeah. could not tell a story to save his life. That's just how horrible he was. He actually did a really good job with this story. By taking a bunch of the more popular stories from the uh, the Davies and Moffat eras and combining them, I'm like, all right, you didn't do that bad putting those together. But his stories on his own, man, oh. So, and uh, you know, spoiler alert: David Tennant is back as the new Doctor. I mean, if you this is coming out a month or so after that aired. So if you don't know that already, that's on you, not me. And I said spoiler alert, so you could have skipped it. But yeah, that's very exciting. Um, I was a little disappointed. I had heard a rumor that Catherine Tate was going to be in uh, in this episode, this special episode, but she was not. I think what's going to happen is she'll be in the actual season when it comes out. So very excited to have David Tennant back as the Doctor, and which is really interesting giving the stuff going on in the show and to have Davies back as showrunner because that man can not only write a really good episode, but he can t- like tell a big overarching story really well. It's interesting just how much the uh, structure of good stories is similar. Uh, you know, 
there is definitely a craft to doing it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people that tell stories don't realize that or oh, they think yeah. that it doesn't apply to them. You know, it's like, it's like cowboy coders or I don't know. There, there's something very similar there. Mm-hmm. Also, Will has not made notice of it. I'm sure he's noticed it, but he hasn't made, uh, made any comments about the, uh, the lack of uh, hair on my face right now. I was kind of wondering what was going on there. I didn't want to say anything. Well, I, I wore part of it uh, to, uh, to the meeting at work this morning, but uh, it's for a Halloween costume. Ah, okay. So I'm, I'm going as uh, Jane from, uh, from Firefly. And yeah, so it's, it's okay. That, that figures that you would be like, oh, I'm shaving for a Halloween costume. <laughs> you know? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, very, very exciting. Uh, kind of cool stuff going on. So, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, totally doing that. Got all the, the stuff. The leg holster and fake knife came in today. I ordered those off Amazon. And so, yeah, I got my, my full outfit now. Looking forward to tomorrow night actually going to a um, costume party. So be a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I also, I just hadn't, I mean, what, seven, eight years? I was going to say, I can't remember yeah. when you were. I don't know that I can ever remember you being clean shaven. It's been about 10 years since I've been fully clean shaven. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even fully clean shaven now. I've still got the goatee, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, giving it, giving it a go, seeing, seeing if I like it. Um, not that bad. Not that bad. So saving money is hard, especially when you spend all of your money on uh, Halloween costumes and shaving equipment. Lucas Casada is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, his focus is on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but take action so that you can live your best life. And speaking of taking action, you want to invest in financial planning services, but the value of them really comes down to whether or not you can actually improve your finances with them. And with the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up has a unique pricing model. And what's great about it is that they will work with you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So if you are just starting out or if you've been around and are close to retirement, there is a price model for you. Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what this means is that he's not here to sell you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation. You know, in other words, his goals are aligned with yours, uh, as opposed to a lot of financial advisors where that's not the case. So guys, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers topics that you probably face and interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their careers. And he has a lot of resources on his website, levelupfinancialplanning.com. Job changes are stressful. I can tell you this because that's right now. On a list of major stressors in life, such as moving, the death or birth of a family member, marriage, and divorce, you'll also see a job change on the list. Many people get a large portion of their identity and sense of value from the work that they do every day. For many others, the majority of their social interactions are with coworkers. And your schedule and all the other little bits of your life that have to be scheduled are tied directly to your work hours as well. When you change jobs, whether through your own choice or through someone else's, all of that stuff gets seriously disrupted. 
Consequently, when many people change jobs, there is a bit of a stress response. And as a result of that, most people let their first day of a new job kind of happen to them instead of trying to redirect it to their best advantage. While this is generally understood and expected, it's not really the optimal approach. Instead, you really need to take charge of your first day to the degree possible. You want to quickly reestablish yourself in your new position and hopefully become productive in short order. You probably won't be productive on the first day, let's just be honest. And sometimes it can be tempting to try and actually write code that first day. And it may even be possible. But there's probably a lot of better things to do with your time. You're not very likely to write any earth-shattering code your very first day. So you're probably better off engaging in some less productive activities that help you get integrated into the team and will help over the long term more so than throwing out a PR on your first day. In this episode, we're going to discuss some things we've learned over the years as a result of periodically changing jobs. Uh, In my case, earlier in my career, frequently changing jobs because I did a lot of contract work. While the content is largely geared towards starting a new job in an on-site capacity, most of the suggestions here are still relevant for the post-COVID remote-oriented development world as well. Plus, a lot of remote jobs, you actually go on site for the first few days or a week uh, just to get integrated with the team, especially if they have partial on-site and partial remote. Really, your goals are going to boil down to a few small things. You need to make a good first impression and get good contacts with your coworkers. In other words, kind of start to integrate yourself into the team. You need to learn your way around the system and the business, and you need to gather information that is going to be useful later. Yeah. So let's just jump on into what, uh, what you can do and not do to make the best of your first day. First off, arrive early and enter on time or slightly early. It's critical to make a good first impression and it is near impossible, not completely impossible, but near impossible to correct a bad one. For real, y'all, I mean, you want to aim to get there about 15 minutes early and walk in about five minutes early. And, you know, if you're having to commute, you should aim to be 30 minutes early at least. Like you can sit in the parking lot for a minute if you have to, but don't make it so that your first day is a stressful nightmare of trying to get there. Yeah, especially if you have to go through traffic and stuff like that because you just, you really need to give yourself an extra buffer because you may not, you may be working downtown and you worked downtown before, but it may be a different part of downtown. It probably is a different part of downtown. And so it like I've had this where I was like, oh, yeah, I I worked, you know, not far from here. So it won't be that bad. But between those two locations was a school zone. Yeah. Or, you know, stuff changed with COVID. Right. So if you worked there five years ago, there may be major, major differences in That's what true. stuff is downtown and what stuff isn't and what roads are open and what aren't like do not assume, you know know by being there on time. Yeah. And this this helps you. I mean, the new job is going to be understanding probably if you are a few minutes late, but this helps you because you're not starting off on your back foot because you, you know, are already stressed. Yeah. 
That's the main thing. So next, take time to meet your coworkers. You're probably not going to be very productive your first day. Instead, now is the time when you should really be making those initial impressions, those initial connections with your coworkers. You've got the freedom, the the mental capacity, and the time to do it. And it's expected. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the other thing. Like, there's very, very few jobs that you're gonna land in where they're like, no, you can't talk to anybody. You got to sit down and start working right now. Cause yeah, I mean, you, they nobody's ever ready for a new employee. Yeah. And if you do land in a job like that, run. <laughs> yeah, get that resume out there because mm-hmm. yeah, they're not taking care of things up front that are gonna be a problem later. Now, if you can manage it without looking weird, and this is a big if for various people, you may also want to take some notes about people. Uh, you mainly want to, you know, want to keep it to things like who does what and who reports to whom. Like, you know, what department are they? What are the, what are the things they do? Yeah, you know, so that you kind of get your head around it because it's a lot. Like you're you're meeting a bunch of new people. They work on different modules that you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, they do different things potentially that you've never heard of. So yeah, kind of get a list of that stuff so that you have it and you can refer to that instead of bugging other people Yeah, later. It'll just help your confidence. Honestly, this one's a, for the most part, a pretty easy thing to do without being weird about it. Just go in with a notebook or, or something. And when you meet people and you find out what they do or what they're over, write it down and just keep, keep that track. And like, you can even be overt about it, say, Hey, you know, this is, like I'm just mapping it out, especially if they don't give you some type of like org chart. I just point to my beard and say I'm old. My memory sucks. I'm writing stuff down. Sorry. I'm over 40. I'm in a protected group. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been doing I've been doing that kind of stuff since I was in my 20s, just because you're not gonna remember it. But also it lets you write things down like, hey, this person, like you talk to him a little bit, you write that down about them, but over to the side, you're like, like sushi. And if anybody yeah. says anything about that, you can be like, Hey, you know, I like sushi too. I need to remember them. Yeah. I, I want to find someone who knows where the good sushi is around here. Yeah. Cause I don't want like the cheap, you know, not really fake sushi, but you know, like the, there's certain sushi joints you go in and you're like, yeah, I'm not ordering anything raw in here. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. In fact, I think I'll just not even have any seafood. Yeah. Yeah. Let me get the prepackaged teriyaki chicken. Thanks. Exactly. Exactly. Now, If they offer to take you to lunch, the answer is yes. Yeah, you can save money by bringing your lunch the first day. Uh, But unless you're like extremely broke, it is going to be much more useful to make those social connections with your new coworkers. And And half the time they pay for your lunch. I was going to say, I'll be honest with you. Most of the time they're going to pay for it. I know my first day, the manager took me out and paid for it. And we went out with the the lead developers and it was just sort of a meet and greet thing. Well, I mean like my previous job, my first day, they, they did take me to lunch and I had to pay for it, but I had a stipend. And so like it came out of that anyway. Yeah. So like they were technically paying for it without paying for it. And I'm not saying that they're always going to do that because they may not, but you know, sometimes it's coworkers instead of bosses doing it. Yeah. And even even if they don't pay for it, you really should go because you're going to hear a lot more about the company at that and learn a lot of important details that you're not going to hear like in the actual office. 
Well, and this is something I didn't really, I didn't hit on in the outline. I mean, it's kind of there, but there's two sets of books, right? There's what your manager tells you and what the official company line is. And then there's what actually happens. Yeah. And you need to, you need to have like, most of these are actually kind of geared towards finding out that second one. Yeah. And to some degree also on your first day, you should kind of try to find a friend at your new job. Uh, this will be the person you ask when you have a question and you don't really know who to go to. And they can also give you an answer without it being an official managerial answer. Will you um, be my friend? Yeah, you'll say it like that, right? But you just go, <laughs> okay, this person's got a similar sense of humor. Well, hey, if they have a similar sense of humor to me, then I'm going to say it like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but like, I mean, seriously, like if you went into, if you're at a new job and you walked into someone's office and they had an unbelievable amount of Doctor Who paraphernalia and a guitar leaning up, right? And then you walked over to the next office and they had like Star Trek and like rap related paraphernalia. Which one would you talk to? Like, who are you probably going to go to for just, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know who to ask. But, the one know, that like you already have stuff to talk to about. I like Star Trek too, though. You should have said Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't watch that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. No, you're, you're right. I'm going to be, lean more toward the person that I've got stuff in common with. And you need to be looking for that because, you know, you need to humanize your coworkers and be humanized by them. You don't want to be a number. This is contractor number 47. He's disposable. We'll get 48. Yeah. You don't want to be in that, that world. Unless you're number 42. Always be number 42. Life, the universe, and everything. Sorry. I'm turning 42 next year. And so I'm planning on a big life, the universe, and everything party. (laughs) Gotcha. It'll be fun. Even though... Winter Jam is on my birthday, so I'll be at that on the actual birthday. Anyway, moving along. The next one we have is find out about expectations. You know, during the interview process, you discussed what technology you'll be using. Hopefully. You really should have discussed that during the interview process, just saying. Uh, And some general things about how your workday will proceed. Again, these are things that you need to be asking. In the interview, we've got completely different episodes on how to interview the interviewer. We did write that episode, or is that just in the backlog? Uh, I don't know. I've I've like written books too, so it's kind of yeah. I mean, you know, it's I have a hard time remembering what I've written at this. If we don't have an episode out yet, there will be one. Just wait for it. Yeah, just nag us about it. We're time traveling. You know, speaking of Doctor Who, it's just, you know, we're predicting the future. But anyway, now is the time to get specific. Now you want to know the details because you signed the NDA. Hopefully, you know, you don't have to sign one, but I mean, sometimes you do. But you you basically signed... I always do. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The kind of jobs I go for, it's there's an NDA up front. I think it has to do with the the jobs you go for. Yeah. In particular, you need to, you know, take some careful notes uh, you know, about things like details of processes. So like you heard they had a PR process probably, but you really need to know, okay, how many people approve it? What's our branching strategy? Where do I go to do it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, what's expected on the comments and the commit messages? You know, is there like, if you go in Azure, you know, you got that whole thing where you can actually have like a, um, a checklist on there. I mean, we yeah. did that at my previous gig and that was, that was very useful. You could go through it and go, okay, I did all these things. Oh, crap, I forgot this thing, so I got to go fix it and then push up and that goes in the pull request and now it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to know about those expectations in detail. Yeah. 
I was about to say what PR means because I had a conversation. Pull request. With some, yeah, I know. I had a conversation some, with someone the other Personal day. Personal record. Yeah, and I was like, pull request. And or I said, I said like, yeah, I uh, sorry, I was late. I I had a PR. I had to finish up. And he was like, oh yeah, you're at the gym. I'm like, huh? And then I realized I was like, because he's a developer, and I was like, no, pull request. He's like, oh, we call those MRs. And I'm like, merge request. Okay. Yeah, I I, I knew what he meant, but I was like. MR has a totally different meaning to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, it was just like, that hit me. I'm like, oh yeah, we probably ought to specify that because somebody's going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, going on. In addition to your boss's expectations, you also need to figure out what your teammates and the other stakeholders expect of you. You know, Being attentive to this is going to help you to build rapport with your team, with the people who's like you're building the the application or the website or whatever you're building for, like it's really going to be a, a big thing. You should also note that once you've been added to a new team, you are going to disrupt it no matter how good you are. You know, even if it's like, hey, you perfectly integrate and you understand how they do everything, you know, even like even if you worked there before with the same people and you were gone for a year and you come back in and nothing's changed you are still disruptive to the team, right? They have certain expectations about how long stuff is going to take. And just adding a developer and you know not adding a QA changes that expectation. You know, we went through the whole thing about uh, team formation, you know, the storming, norming, forming. Performing. Performing, deforming. I forget the, the full set, but this is the deforming phase. <laughs> uh, so, um, and this is interesting because my team recently went through this where we had a few people leave the department and they restructured and uh, actually put a friend of mine, um, one of the people that I, that I wanted to get the job because to have the opportunity to work with him on my team, which was really cool. Uh, I really like, uh, like having him on the team. Shout out Joseph. I know he listens to the the podcast. So, Hey man, what's up? W. Yeah. Oh, cool. He's he's on my team now. Yeah, he really is. I, I really like having him on the team. A lot of fun working with him. And so I remember when my my manager told me that, I was like really excited. I'm like, for real? Like, that's so awesome because we've been friends for a while. And like, he's one of the reasons that I applied for this job. <laughs> yeah. But even so. Yeah. Even, even though we're friends and we have good rapport, we still went, like our team still went through a storming phase because we had two people leave and two people come on. Um, not leave the department. It's just like we did some restructuring. So we did. But I will say this because of their hiring practices really love the way that they're like, Hey, we're, we would rather have an open slot than hire the wrong person because of that. The storming phase was, has been very smooth because there's a lot of mutual respect, a lot of, Hey, I don't agree with that. And I'll tell you, I don't agree with it, but you know, no yelling, no fussing, no like arguments, just actual interactions and like healthy conversations. It, actually been one of the healthiest storming phases I've ever been through. Well, and you know, they call it the storming phase, but like you may get good surprises. Hey, we yeah. you know, we added this dude and our throughput doubled. Right. Well, that right. still has implications that you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, as a lead, you, you're, you're well aware of that. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's definitely something that you should plan ahead for. Now, you also need to be taking thorough notes. Now, we mentioned this earlier bring a notebook or get one when you get in the building, just a legal pad. If, if 
you know, you need that or work Bible like Beach has, you know, if you want to get excessive, you want to get religious about it. Yeah. You need to, you need to, you need a place to write stuff down and you need to take a lot of notes as you're being shown the code base and the other systems. Uh, and it's probably better to do this on paper initially, you know, because a developer machine may not be ready for you, you know, because you're going to need diagrams and you don't want to try to figure out what tool you're going to use for that. Like it adds complications, right? Like if I have a pencil and a piece of paper, I can draw something. When I have to do it on a computer, you know, I may not even have the ability to install something that works for me. That's why I really like draw.io and do it online. Yeah. You can get away with a lot in PowerPoint too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Until PowerPoint fails on your Mac. Didn't yeah. happen to me, but uh, last night I was at a an event for our college that we went to. Um, here in town and their PowerPoint presentation failed running it on a Mac. And I'm like, why are you guys doing this in PowerPoint? Like Mac has like a native thing for this that you could have imported into. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole other thing too. Just how often office products are not compatible with office. (laughs) Well, that's true. I mean, I, I can't say anything. I, I use PowerPoint on a Mac too, but like, this is just sort of funny. It, like I was sitting there cracking up going, yep, that's what you get for using Microsoft products. I was going to say on a Mac, but then I just stopped myself. At yeah, Microsoft products. there's no, there's no uh, <laughs> final clause. There. There's no uh, prepositional <laughs> case there that has to happen. Yeah. yeah. So uh, on your first day, you're going to go through some degree of orientation with human resources. Or disorientation, however you want to call it. Or disorientation. <laughs> While those conversations can be rather lengthy, they are. Uh, it's, yeah, it is important to get some of that information down too. Some of it, it's just stuff they have to repeat to you. It was like that event that I went it's to like last night. like the posters night. in the break room. It's, yeah. it's, it's the verbal equivalent of those. Yeah, it was like the event I went to last night. The parts of it were interesting. The part where the president, new president of the university was going over the mission statement and the 88 different things, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I stopped paying attention and went to the bathroom and then just never came back. (laughs) Yeah, I I got bored. I was like, this is a waste of my time. I could be using it so much better. Honestly, thought it was a networking event. I kind of, my bad. I really would. I I, I dressed up. I went, I took business cards. I thought, hey, this is a great networking event. And, you know, there was maybe about 20, 30 minutes of networking. And then this presentation that I'm like, yep, peace. Anyway. So uh, that's my complaining about that. But uh, there is nothing more annoying than needing to take off a day and not have any idea how to even get started in that process. Yeah. And and by the way, I didn't really say this, but once you do know where those sites are and you find out early, put those links in your bookmark bar in your browser mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that you don't have to like email somebody at four o'clock in the morning going, hey, I've got the Rona. I'm, I'm going to be out. And then you get, you got to wake back up at like eight or you got to wake back up at six, you know, to, to see if they responded yet. And then they tell you where to, to go to, you know, take off and get to let people know and do all this stuff while you're sick and you're scrambling around. Like that's just a pretty awful. And it's even worse if somebody dies and you got a yeah. funeral to go to or something like that. So just oh, yeah. get that out of the way. Most places will let you put that stuff in after the fact, especially if it's like an illness or something like that. But it's good to know that ahead of time. Yeah. Well, again, it, it reduces the amount of stress you have when you're sick. Mm-hmm. 
It does. You know, and I'm, I'm all about not experiencing stress that has no value. You know, like where if it's just, you know, I'm just stomping on a rake and getting hit in the face over and over again. Like I'm not signing up for that. Yeah. So that, you know, that could be really helpful. Now you could be pretty sloppy with these notes when you're taking them. You probably will be. Just take the notes and then curate it later and get everything organized mm-hmm. where you can find stuff. Yeah. Next. And I absolutely despise the fact that we have to say this, but we have to say this, y'all. Stay off your phone for real. You know, the first few days of a new job always have a lot of hurry up and wait. Uh, when you're waiting around, don't be playing on your phone. I can't repeat that enough. Just don't be playing on your phone. You know, you need to be using this time to meet other people, make meaningful connections with your coworkers. Unless you guys are all going out playing Pokemon Go. That's different. Right. I did that at a job once. And I would also say, you know, on the phone stuff, there are certain things that it may be helpful to look up. So, right. Like yeah. they mentioned that, oh, we have to deal with HIPAA compliance here and you don't know what that is. You could look it up on the phone and go, hey, I, I looked it up and, you know, so I'm trying to understand, you know, here's, you know, like what level of compliance do we have to be at on this? Yeah, that's, that's different. That is like act. That's using making the, phone. the phone a tool instead of a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you definitely want to stay off the phone and you need to remember that first impressions are largely permanent. So when you're on your phone the first day and people see you do that, when you get the least little bit slow working, that's what they're assuming you're doing. People fill in the blanks and you don't want to give the initial impression that you're distracted and on your phone all day, you know, because they're going to fill the blanks in with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if you are distracted and on your phone all day, you don't want them to think Yeah, don't that. do it the first day. Just like, don't tell them. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, don't, don't make it easy. Don't be distracted and on your phone all day. We need to clarify that. Yeah. But, but you know, if you're going to do it, at least don't. Yeah, don't be, be an idiot. Overt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, set aside a couple of times during the day to check your phone and do it intentionally rather than mindlessly. You know, it may be easier to do in a new environment rather than one that is is familiar. I mean, you know, I got a message. I, I have my phone set to like private, no distractions when we record, but certain people can get through like family members. And I got an important message while we were on the call. It should have been edited out. I hope it was edited out. But anyway, like. Well, it's got it's got private medical information in it. Yeah, it does. Uh, sometimes that happens, you know, where you you get emergency things. Like, uh, do you remember when I applied for my first junior developer job? It was my only junior developer job, but it was my first one too. But um, yeah, I was uh, on my way to that interview when I got a call that my dad had fallen and broken his hip. Um. And then the recruiter who was supposed to walk me in, her car broke down. I legitimately did not think I was going to get the job. I'm like, everything going on today? Yeah, I do not have this job. This is going to be a practice interview. I'm going to go to it anyway because I was already, I I didn't want to get the reputation of not going, you know? So I was like, I'm already there. I'm going to go. So I go in and just rocked the interview because I wasn't stressed. I was like, I don't have this job, so I'm not going to stress about it. Yeah, then you did have the job anyway. Then I got the job. but. You know, had I gotten a message about like my dad's medical condition while I was in there, I probably would have taken it. And I told them up front too, hey, 
as I was driving in, I got a phone call from my sister that my dad fell and broke his hip. And so they, they knew up front what was going on. That's the thing. One of the biggest things you can do is communicate. Let people know. Well, and a lot of times too, you're starting a new job and there's a recruiting company involved. And so I don't know why they do this, but they will pepper your phone during your first day. And it's like, dude, I'm, I'm here making you money. Can you please not do that? Uh, but uh, they all do it. So you can, you know, maybe may, it may even be worth pointing it out to management and go, Hey, recruiters are bugging me. They got some paperwork that they want me to sign, you know? So at some point I, I've got to do that today and, and just be, but make it very clear that you're looking at the phone in a disciplined manner, not just willy nilly. Now, speaking of things that require discipline, you need to ask a lot of questions early on. You're going to be shown a lot of stuff. A lot of it's going to be code. And in addition to taking good notes, you really should not be shy about asking clarifying questions about the code. So make sure it's not critical. Make sure it's clarifying. It's like, hey, you know, how did we decide on entity framework for our database layer? Like, what was the what was the decision process there? That's a good one to ask if they're using it. No. In particular, you are going to want to start forming sort of a mental model for how the team actually approaches software development as opposed to what they actually what they say they do like there's a difference between what people say and what people do no terry, terry goodkind <laughs> fan wizard's fifth rule yeah yes i do have them memorized um you do this by asking certain dis, like how certain decisions were made in a non-judgmental fashion and that's that's the, really the key here, especially for making impressions, is you don't want to come off as judgmental. You want to come off as curious. Yeah. Well, and, and they may have made a decision that's really weird. And you're like, why did they do that? And if you come off as non-judgmental, you may learn something. Mm-hmm. Or they may really regret it, you know, regret it and hate on it. <laughs> and you'd be like, yeah. okay, well, <laughs> you know, I didn't say it. Always make the assumption that the decision was made by someone smarter than you, and you're going to learn from it. Yeah, I always have like the most charitable uh, mm-hmm. assumption because yeah. like it, it costs you nothing to adjust in the other direction, but like you completely right. lose face if you if you were a jerk mm-hmm. about something. Exactly. And it's also really good to ask a lot of questions about the history of the software that you're working on. This goes with this. Um, sometimes they the software did one thing in the past and there was a major pivot point and some of the old bits are left in there and the system is structured weirdly as a result of that. You'll see this in a lot of uh, brownfield development and, you know, they, they took the existing system and they just kind of hammered it into a different shape. And there's, there's some weird stuff. If you know the history, it makes sense. Yeah. I was, uh, this reminds me of the app I was working on before I got promoted to lead um, in my old department. We basically had one that had been built for one purpose and hammered into like five other purposes and we were replacing that. And knowing the history of it, it was like, you look at it and you go, wow, the developer who built this really built something solid because it took all that beating and still, for the most part, held up. But if you didn't know the history, you'd be like, what in the world was wrong with her? Right. You know, and she was a really good developer too. So it was like, yeah, no, like it was, it was definitely that. And so it makes sense. Um, Also ask about the definitions of words. Oh my goodness. That is so important. 
that are relevant to the system. People in business settings get stuck on jargon and often forget how not everyone understands what they mean when they use a particular word or they will use a word inaccurately. Like just this morning in our daily standup, our scrum master was using the word build. And I was like, I don't think that means what you think it means. You know, pulled a little, you know, princess bride on him. But I, so I just asked him, I was like, what do you mean when you say the word build? And he basically described the release process. And I'm like, yep, that's what I thought you meant. So what you just described is a release. A build is something different. And he was like, ah, oh, I, I was worried I was using the wrong term. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, back in the day, we called it a build. That's true. That's true. And so <laughs> like, but like it, when, when I asked the question, I was like, oh, yeah. And so we had that clarifying conversation and moved on and everybody understood what was going on at that point. But before that, I could see like the looks on the other developers' faces like, I'm really not sure what he's talking about. I think I might know. And that's why I asked. So Yeah, and there'll they'll also be like some weird, you know, that are like business specific things. Like there was one company I worked at where they had what they called a submission. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, you know, incoming, like a big wad of incoming data that had to be processed through the system. And it was six months before I figured out what a submission was. Part of that was I did ask. Nobody could give me a definition that actually made sense. Oops. <laughs> Stuff oh. happens. Uh, but I tried. It wasn't my fault. Now, you also need to make sure you don't try to prove yourself right away. You know, along with asking questions, you really need to avoid making broad assertions about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first few days, you know, even if you were specifically brought in to clean up a mess, you need to try to understand the system, not fix it. Yeah. This also goes for explaining things you've done previously in your career, unless explicitly asked. Like, I wouldn't say it was my first day, but early on I was asked about that document management stuff because we were dealing with some document things. And they're like, hey, you worked on a system like this, didn't you? I was like, yeah, I I did. Like, how did you solve this problem? I'm like, let me send you the code sample. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was was tricky. I, you know, made a generic sample of that so that I could use again because I knew I would need it. (laughs) Yep. You know, but... Understand, you're trying to understand the system, not fix it. You said that, didn't you? Yeah, but I mean, it needs to be reiterated, right? It does, it does, sorry. Yeah, I was like, anyway, more often than should actually happen, new developers come in with more answers than questions. And not only does it alienate other people, it doesn't really provide much value. You also find out that things don't work the way you think they do here. They don't work the same here as they did where you were before because of this or that. At a previous job, at at my previous job, I guess really I can't just make that generic and not. There was a dude that came in and he pushed WebAssembly, right? And like looking back on it, I think he was right over the, you know, overly complex angular thing that we had going on. But he did it very, very early and very, very caustically. And as a result, you know, not only did he take everybody off, but when it might have been a good idea to use WebAssembly, nobody was going to do it. Like you can actually close the door on, you know, future things that could be helpful if you do this at the wrong time. 
course, on that, if there's something you really, really don't want to do, here's how you get everybody against it. Yeah. Or they like, tell you to, to implement it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's a it's a gamble, but you come in and go, hey, why don't we just do this in WordPress? <laughs> I did that just to see the look on Will's face. That was so awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't I might say that as a joke. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I wouldn't I wouldn't try to sound serious with that. That way, like it gets the point across. Mm-hmm. And they can all hate on WordPress and it makes it less likely, but it's completely unlikely that I'll be the one stuck implementing it because I don't want anything to do with that. Oh man. I made I made a crack about WordPress to um a fellow developer at church Sunday. And uh yeah, I didn't realize that at his previous gig he had pretty much just done WordPress and like for what he was doing, it it was actually a good use of it. And he was like a little defensive. I'm like Sorry, bro. I've had a lot of bad experiences with WordPress because you know, people trying to get it to do what it's really not meant to do. So, well, and it also wasn't their primary job. I mean, I think that's the other thing too. Like, if you want to do WordPress, you need to do WordPress. Not, yeah, there's that. I'm going to stand something up in, in this framework I'm just not used to while I try to do other things. Uh, I don't. I don't know that that works well if you're if you're wanting to customize it. But that's a whole other can of worms. Now. I also say if you get the opportunity to pick what your first task is, don't pick a nasty problem first. Pick something smaller and get used to the processes in the company rather than trying to make an impression handling some major issue. Unless you're just brought in to really handle because you know stuff is on fire, um, which that happens sometimes when you're a contractor. Um, I've had a few of those and it was that's really not good when you're trying to learn process. Of course, the problem is you know, if they're bringing in a new person expecting them to put out a fire, it's because they have fires, which means they probably don't have much of a process anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah but that too. I would, I would lean towards not doing that. Mm-hmm. Next, don't point out technical debt just yet. This kind of goes along with not trying to prove yourself. You're going to see something that makes you cringe. Within the first week, probably the first day even, unless your new team is just insanely awesome. In which case, you cringe at your own skill level. Yeah. yeah. You're like, ooh, I've got to fit in here. Yeah. Yeah. Internal cringe. You know, definitely make notes about the areas. Just don't mention them quite yet to anyone. Uh, It's really good just to kind of keep your own little personal backlog of, hey, here's some areas that might need improvement. Because, I mean, honestly, you might find out, hey, this is as good as it can get because of something else over here. I've run into that before, too. Yeah, uh, you can get really surprised by stuff. Uh, You do want to address technical debt at some point, but you also need to remember that it's there for a reason and you need to figure out what that is first. Because if that reason still applies, that technical debt is staying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also think, Somebody wrote that that caused the technical debt and they're probably still around. So you don't want to alienate them on your first day. Build some rapport with them and then they're more likely to admit, hey, I know this has some technical debt and it it needs to be fixed. Um, like we're, we're pretty close to pushing the app that I'm working on, the first production run of it or push. And... So I made just a a list of, hey, here's the technical debt we got on this. We got to get fixed before it goes to production. 
You know, yeah, we're, I, we're working through that list right now. I worked at a company where there was a guy that came in before my time, and but I, I did get to meet him later and he got fired after like a week because he came in and immediately started going off on technical debt. He was also wrong about a lot of it. There was a lot of technical debt in that system, but his approach was not ideal. It was like, hey, remove all the catch blocks out of the C sharp code. Let's just that way all the errors surface and we can fix those. That was that was the start. He also told the owner of the company that, you know, the owner needed to fire a guy. Well, two guys. Uh, one of the guys was his business partner and the other one was his son. So that uh, didn't go too well. Um, he had a whole bunch of other stuff. And I met this dude later. And I, I've got to say, there have been very, very few people that I've had that much of a negative religious experience with because he was still very, very caustic, thought he was smarter than everybody else. I mean, like five minutes in, you know, we, we went out to eat with some people because one of the people that used to work with us went to his new workplace and, and, and dude was just, he was just so cocky and you do not want to be that guy. Like he made an impression. I could ask somebody from that company now about that guy and they would have a few expletives to say at the beginning of the next sentence. And it's been almost 10 years. Yep. And that burns bridges, man. Just telling you, don't do that. That is so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. When everyone else is the problem, you might want to check because it's probably you. Yeah. I got more to say on that in other situations, but we won't go there. We're, uh, yeah, that's off topic. Some people's dating. Anyway. Yeah, that's where I was going with it, but I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) I will. Uh, Next, ask questions about the business, not just the tech. You will make better decisions over time if you focus on the business reasons for a decision rather than the software reasons. This is why I encourage uh, my team to attend stakeholder reviews and meetings because while they don't have to be there, it's so good to hear the input. And at our last one, the stakeholders were just going off about how awesome the application is and how they liked certain parts of it. And I was like, yes, I am so glad that my team is here because they get to hear like the people who are going to be using their application talk about how awesome it is. Well, or, or you fix some little stupid thing like, you know, they got a grid and there's a checkbox to select all and you, you added that checkbox and that just absolutely makes somebody's day. And you're like, I can't believe that made your day. It's like, well, it's because you're a coder. You're not a business person that saves them a bunch of time and frustration and mistakes and everything else. Yeah. And there, you know, that, that scales up too. You should also start learning how the money comes into the business or into the organization and where it leaves in kind of a broad sense. So like, do they spend more money on employees? Do they spend money on, you know, equipment, supplies, materials, you know, rent, you know, where, where's the money going out and what, what does it come in from? You know, how do we raise the amount of money coming in? Like, not that you're going to be changing those things, but it makes you understand the situation that you're in. And both of those places are places where your efforts are probably going to be placed if your management is wise and you really need a mental model of how the system works without considering the code and that's it. These business questions also tend to establish an impression that you're more than just a code monkey. You know, being just a replaceable code monkey is not a good long-term career decision. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be replaceable because replaceable really means disposable at a price. And that's a better way to think about it. Uh, Trust me, I've done that. 
it is not good for longevity. You will get downsized before Christmas. Also finding out, you know, about the business is the first step towards getting a handle on the technical debt, because that tends to be one of the primary sources of it. You know, they had a business reasons for, for doing something the way they did it and doing it in a hurry. You know, now when you need to make an argument about getting rid of that technical debt, you can do that with a nod towards that reason and maybe even find a reason to get rid of it that is an actual good business reason. It's really nice to kill technical debt that way because all the business people are behind you then. Yeah. No. So guys, finally, learn about the users of the software. Kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier in the last point. You also need to quickly get a grasp of what kind of people use the software you're writing. In particular, like what industry, how computer savvy are they? Um, how or where they're going to tend to use the software. I know I, at one point in my career, wrote some stuff for some very, like our base users were very hillbilly rednecky, you know, and we had to write it for them to be able to easily input data. Well, and, you know, it's not, it's not always a thing of, you know, hey, this this group doesn't do things as well. Like, this group is distracted. Yeah. You know, well, it was, it, it, with this was, it was just, these are people who probably, even though they're like our age, just, they grew up outside. They didn't grow up around computers. Like, even younger than us, like, they just, they, that wasn't a part of their lives. You know, four-wheeling and mudding and being out on the farm was part of their lives. And so it's not, it's not a natural thing for them. So you had to take that into a consideration, like something like a hamburger menu to us, you know, we see those three bars and know exactly, Hey, there's the menu. But to them, they, yeah, they there's no menu. Like, yeah. There's no menu. Yeah. Of course, I think by now, probably most of them are, are getting used to that. But I mean, you, you run into a lot of stuff. I mean, customers are honestly one of the major sources of confusion for developers, and unless you're 100% sure that your users are developers themselves, and probably not even then, there are going to be design trade-offs that you need to make because of the user's experience level or their approach to things. And I mean, it could even be just something like, hey, they're, you know, they're doing 100 other things at the same time, and your app is part of some much larger process. So a great example of this is a factory production floor, like a print shop. Right. They're, they are dealing with moving materials, swapping stuff out, swapping ink out, you know, loading printers, you know, getting crap in, putting it on the inserters. I mean, they've got all this other junk they got to do. And your app is the inventory app. It's like, yeah, they need to, you know, they need to be able to put it in real quick, but they're doing 500 other things. And they're in an environment where if they get too distracted, they lose an arm. You, you know, you need to be aware of that. Also, pay attention to when you're told how people tend to use the software. There is a world of difference between the way a thick client server application works and the way an occasionally connected mobile app works. Oh yeah, I worked on uh, an application where, actually I wasn't too heavy on this one. I just came in after the developer, the main developer left uh, like three weeks before they went to production just to wrap stuff up. But basically it was, they were taking tablets out into the field and they did not expect to have an internet connection on those tablets. And so it was collecting all the data on the tablet, coming back and then syncing. 
Yeah. And oh, by the way, preloading that data, the bits and pieces they needed before they go out in the field too. Yep. And I was, and I was working on the, uh, the API side of that. That was, that was an interesting one for sure. Well, and, and thick clients are, you know, there's a lot of the, of other issues with those, right? Because, you know, you've got security stuff on that machine. You've got threading concerns. You've got performance concerns that they're going to have, you know, and oh, by the way, it's constantly connected to the server. So you got to think about how it scales. Like there's a bunch of that stuff that, that, you know, there are implicit assumptions that other people are making and you don't know what they are. And you do also need to be aware of the industry in which your users are working a lot of industries have a regulatory burden, and if they don't, I'm sure a nice government agent will come along to provide one pretty soon. And this burden is going to be a big driver of the way that they use the app and a lot of the considerations on it. You know, it is for regulatory compliance. Like that's honestly, as a civilization, why we have the level of regulations that we have is because we can support it with our information processing that we have. If we had to do everything on paper, there's a lot of stuff that just wouldn't happen. So you need to write down the names of the various regulations if you're not familiar with them and get that way quickly. So, you know, PCI, HIPAA, Fair Credit Reporting Act. I'm trying to think of some of the others. There's some of the governmental ones too that uh, I forget, but. Yeah. And just find out what, what you need in your industry too. Yeah. Specific. You know, and as your career goes on, you're probably going to have a lot of the same kind of clients anyway. Mm-hmm. So you'll get used to most of these, but definitely research that because it shapes the way that they do stuff. Yes, absolutely. So guys, your first day in a new job is a chance to either do well or to make a horrible impression and eventually fail. Probably not the first day. If you tick them off enough to get fired the first day, that's outside the scope of this episode. But the first day also comes with a flurry of meetings, new information, and new people to interact with. It's a lot to deal with, and you can easily make mistakes if you're not careful in your approach and deliberate in that approach. Yeah. On your first day of a new job and the days following, you should try to make sure that you are set up for success. Most new jobs don't really expect you to be up to speed and working on the first day, but you want to be productive as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, that tends to mean that you start out by doing a lot of things that initially don't seem productive, and, you know, and then you, you fix it later. Now, if you follow our recommendations from this episode, you'll be in a much better position to quickly provide value in your new position. That's all we've got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.